the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the heart of innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heart of Innovation. Every show this month is focused on a disease more prevalent and deadlier than all cancers combined, except for lung cancer. It's called peripheral artery disease, narrowed or blocked vessels, and mainly the leg arteries that, if left untreated, can lead to heart attack, stroke, and amputation. The key is early diagnosis and early treatment, and patients can play a big role in improving their prognosis. The problem is, according to patients, that their doctors just don't spend enough time with them to talk about their options and how to become a better partner in their care. TheWayToMyHeart.org, a 501c3 that I run, which provides high-touch advocacy and support for PAD patients, conducted a poll of more than 200 PAD patients. On the number one response to this question, what is it that your doctors are missing or don't get about PAD? 58%, a whopping nearly six doctors would spend in treatment options. Some of the respondents added comments. And the most frequent comment was having to go online to find information about PAD checking in with Dr. Google because their healthcare providers are not giving them enough information. What do these patients want to know? Very simple questions. What does it mean to have PAD? What is the root cause of this disease? Why do I have it? How long can I live with it? That's just to name a few. Very simple questions that our guest today, Dr. Jennifer Avis says, should be answered during consultations with their PAD patients. And in fact, consult is one of the reasons she chose vascular as her choice practice area. So we're going to hear her story coming up in just a moment. Dr. Phillips, what do you think? Did we lose Dr. Phillips? Oh, we did. We did. So I'll say hello to Dr. Jennifer Avis. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, Kim. How are you? Thanks for having me. How did you like the intro? A lot of truth it. in there, right? No, you hit on the right, the buzzwords, right, as partner in care, which is always, um, I think you're presenting it. This is what our patients look for in us. And I love when a patient comes to my office and says, hey, I'm invested. I'm curious. I'd like to know what's going on, because then I know we can really start to have those meaningful discussions and get to some of the meat of this. Um, 
it's a collaborative process. And yeah, I think as, as you and I were talking about before, you know, it's, it's not a one visit um, doctor's appointment. It's an ongoing relationship with our patients. So I think you hit right on it. And I love it. And I know so many PAD patients that are listening in right now are going to be incredibly excited to hear more. But first, I think, Dr. John Phillips, do you have a moment of inspiration for us? Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. I guess not. Our moment of inspiration will come, I hope, very soon. He's having some audio issues today and we're going to be getting in i'm sure he's going to jump in any moment but maybe dr avis do you have a favorite quote that you can share and give us a little inspiration before we get started with your story oh i wasn't prepared today with the quote <laughs> i feel like his audio may be picking up <laughs> i know i know we'll try one more time dr phillips are you there Nope. So I'll share one. I had to emcee this um, Global Girls in Tech conference um, over the weekend. And I mean, this past week, and it was so incredibly inspiring. And, you know, that that one moment that came out of, of this, and, and I, I, I'm going to carry it with me all the time, is the entire audience of more than 300 young, aspiring tech entrepreneurs is they shouted out this, you know, I have a vision. And I think that that statement is so powerful, whether it's, you know, the doctor or even the patient. The patient has to have a vision of hope. And if you can get that patient to say, I have a vision, I have a vision of hope. I can see myself in my wellness and I'm willing to reverse engineer every single aspect of my life to reach that vision. How powerful is that, Dr. Avis? No, I think that's spot on. I always think um, when patients come to the office, they want to know, number one, what do I expect? Mm -hmm. What is this? What's coming next? We all like to prepare in our lives. Um, And then number two is really, then what can I do about it? Right. So things can I modify? What can I change? So, you know, what to expect and what can I do about it? You have to have a vision. You have to set your goals. You have to have, you know, your own priorities. And then you can start to layer in these pieces. How can I affect my care? What can I do? What do I need from my team? How can my doctor help me? All of those pieces come together, but it starts with the vision, right? You have to have the it goals. Really, it, it really does. And, 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 this information and what you're talking about right now is one of the reasons that you got into the vascular space in the first place. It's that opportunity to not just treat a patient and send them on their way, but to become a true partner with them in their care as well. Can we start a little bit from the beginning of your journey and how you started that journey towards becoming a vascular surgeon? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how much detail you want, but to, to what we were talking about last night. So I ended up going into healthcare, actually initially thinking I was going to do some form of psychiatry because I really like engaging with other people, connecting, 
talking about their path. And then as I was progressing through medical school, what I realized is, you know, I also really like to fix things. I really like to tackle a problem, to identify a problem, tackle it and start to make progress on that. Um, So ultimately that led me into a totally new sphere. So then I kind of switched over into the surgical mindset. Love surgery. Surgery is very neat in the sense that you have this very unique relationship with people where, um, you know, somebody's in a, in a very vulnerable situation, their primary issues leading up to this were medical. So you're sort of using your medical knowledge, um, why disease happens, how it happens, and then you do this very physical intervention. So then you kind of get to use a completely different skill set to, to fix a problem or address a problem. Um, and then from a patient perspective and from a clinician perspective, it's not just executing on that, it's kind of carrying that relationship forward through the process. It's, it's so difficult. It's difficult. It's scary. And, you know, my, my former boss, Ron Dahlman, he always used to say vascular patients are in a very vulnerable position because the disease is recurrent and severe. And often our patient population has started to decline with mobility, with, you know, activities of daily living, things like that. And so as I was progressing through my general surgery training, um, I love being in the operating room, love taking care of my patients. But then I started to think, you know, I really like this long-term relationship, right, that I get to have with my vascular patients in particular. So maybe you have appendicitis, we remove your appendix, and then I'll meet you again. But I, I like that kind of ongoing long-lasting relationship that I can get with my vascular patients. And, and I, you know, I really value that aspect of it. So that sort of um, turned me in the direction of that. Another, I think really key piece of. We will be back here on a 68 M in the heart of innovation. Don't go anywhere. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We have been talking to Dr. Jennifer Avis. She is a vascular surgeon 
with Bass Vascular in the San Francisco Bay Area in California. And before the break, she was talking about her journey to becoming a vascular surgeon, how she started off wanting to get into psychiatry. And then she started learning that she'd like to fix things as well with her hands. And she started you know, moving towards vascular. And what she realized in in terms of choosing, you know, vascular over even general surgery is that when someone would have an appendectomy and have their appendix removed, that she would say, okay, great. You know, I think And what she loves about the vascular patients is that she can actually develop a relationship with them and be a part of their journey and continue to see them evolve and help them evolve and improve their prognosis over time. And that's that's really commendable. And we're going to get to her in just a moment with more questions. I want to loop in Dr. John Phillips, who is here with us now and and joining us via phone. Hey, John. Kim, can you hear me? Can you hear me? We can hear you. All right. All right. Yeah. Just a little technical difficulty, you know, just like you probably at back in your days when you were, um, you know, a roaming reporter. I'm, uh, I'm out in the hinterlands of uh, Columbus, Ohio at a soccer tournament. <laughs> so please forgive me. I'm sorry. But I was able to hear you guys and I was listening. So it's a good conversation thus far. It's fantastic. Did you want to share a moment of inspiration before we move on? Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. Yeah, you know, like we had talked last week, you know, we we did the Save My Piggies conference last week, and at that time we were doing a little uh, memorial golf outing for my father who passed away in May. His birthday was a couple days ago, and so I was going to use one of his quotes. uh, He wasn't the most... Well, he was a pretty terse guy, but he always would say to me, God helps those who help themselves. And so that is the, the mantra that I was using this week because um, we had a, a pretty busy service and then a lot of complex patients and um, the wheels were getting a little bit shaky, but we we had we, we were able to right the ship and treated a lot of folks this week and, and it was um, a, a great week to be a physician, um, just like... Um, you know, you guys have been talking about the ability to help people and it's really something special. I, I love that. And, it, and this is the second time you've shared a quote, actually, from your your dad. And um, it, it <laughs> well, always also, seems about- so appropriate for that particular show. And this one, again, God helps those who helps themselves, because that's something that Dr. Jennifer Avis has been explaining why she absolutely loves being a part of the vascular uh, specialty because she can work with their patients. She is a partner in their care and she works with them to be a partner in their care as well. And I think that that's absolutely perfect. Well, and I was also wondering that could put you on the spot, but your mom passed away as well. Any, any thoughts, any quotes from mom that come to, come to mind real quick? my mom oh she she was the type of person you know don't let anything or anyone get in the way of achieving what you want you got to believe in who you are and what you desire and know that if you focus there you can have anything you want you can make anything happen and and she was definitely that type of person 
And so, awesome. you know, I, yeah, I, mean, I learn that every day. You can't let anybody get in your way, right? I mean, you just keep, nope. keep focusing and you believe in what you want to do. Uh, you can achieve it. And, and that's where, you know, right before the show, we have one of our incredibly inspiring patients, Marsha, who um, is on our Zoom um, platform that we use to to broadcast from here live on the radio. And she was talking about how she just ended up signing up for a 5K and she could only go three minutes right now walking. The fact that she has this vision, right, Dr. Jennifer Avis, like, you have that vision, that quote that I shared in the in the first segment. Like you have that vision, and you got to you got to do that, and then reverse engineer it and believe you're going to get there, and then surround yourself with those people that are going to help you maintain that vision, help you maintain that focus, and help you get there, including your doctor. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think you know, Kim, we were talking a little bit about this last night, finding your tribe, as they say, finding your network of support is so important. Yeah. Um, so it's one thing to say, you know, I'd really like you to start a walking regimen. Um, and then my patients will say, you know, it's cold outside. Where do I go? Who do I do this with? And we all know this with every other aspect of our lives. It's so much easier to do this with a group that understands what we're going through and can kind of provide some of that support. So how great to do a 5k, right? You're with a bunch of people who are slogging it out together. So you, you get started, you make some connections and off you go. And then, you know, it's like one of those things, right? We'll measure the progress year by year. And I bet you, you're going to get your, I mean, this is how it goes. You're going to have some yeah. good friends out of it. <laughs> I love it. Network is so important, right? And you know, the interesting thing with 5Ks is that you do have different people at different levels with different reasons for entering the 5K. So you always have those ones that are looking to win it. But then I think the majority of people are right there in the center, just kind of plugging along and they have a goal just to finish. But then you have this other subset of people that end up kind of bringing up the tail end that have so many incredible, inspiring stories as to why they're there. And it's it's a fight for every single step. And those are the ones that I like to watch because there is so much value Um, you know, with every single move they make and that moment they cross the finish line, the tears, you know, in achieving that milestone means so much more. It's the grit, right? Yeah. You have good word. Good word. Yeah. It's, it's admirable, right? It's good to see. Yeah. So should we get back to your story? And I want to get to more um, of what you do to inspire your patients to finish that 5K um, in just a bit. But we should just go back because you were telling us right before the last break that you it was great to perform an app, you know, uh, remove an appendix. Right. Um, And send people on their way. Great. Fulfilling. But you wanted to build a greater relationship with your patients. That's why you chose vascular. I think that's really important to, for me, it just meshed well with my personality, right? I I like that relationship, but it is really important um, in what we do. And even um, a lot of our care is kind of coordinated with either a cardiologist or vascular medicine specialist, because it does take multiple areas of targeting this disease. So, you know, one area may be simply surgical, 
Um, and certainly I have that on my call weekends. Somebody has really gotten to the end of the road and we just go right to surgery and that's what we do. But a lot of this, um, when I see patients in the office and even when the patients see their primary care in the office, um, are opportunities for education, intervention, um, the patients to get optimized on their medications, and then also to start optimizing lifestyle habits, to understand what's going on, to understand why it's going on, right? and to take on some of the um, challenges of how to start tackling this. And it can be really frustrating, right? Because sometimes it's, it's identified on the back end. It's like, We've already progressed to having the disease, and now I have to backtrack and say, okay, now how do I develop these healthy lifestyle habits? And it's interesting, too. We know, we know that tobacco use, smoking, um, is a really big player. Just living in the environment of, of the U.S. Is a, is a player, but a lot of this is genetics as well. So a lot of this can be a surprise to, to patients, and, and my, my family has a strong um, coronary artery disease, which is correlated with peripheral vascular disease history. And I like to think, oh, I took after my dad's side and I'm not affected, but we all feel that way, right? As we, we hope to be healthy and then it's, it's, um, it it can be, can be really frustrating when, when you get confronted with, well, now I have this disease and now I have to deal with it. So I think that's where it's really good to link into our network and lean on support people. So it's that, that prevention phase, the after diagnosis phase, if we can get an early diagnosis, get people educated, get them linked into a supportive system, that's where we're going to see the best results. Um, and I tell my patients, I really like to operate, but I hope that you don't need my services, right? Like hopefully we keep it in the non-operative sphere. Um, but I think that that stuff is really important um, to people. And I one of the- that because you, you know, you're like, yes, you know, I, I do love to operate, but you know what? I hope I never have to do that on you. You know, I hope you're not that one. And coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, I know you had one more key point you wanted to make on that thought, and we're going to let you do it. Leave everyone else hanging, and we'll see you back here in just a moment on the Heart of Innovation. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients, and we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life life and limb could depend on it. 
Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We're continuing our conversation. And Jennifer, during the break, we were just kind of discussing some of the newer technologies out there to treat peripheral arterial disease. How do you have that conversation with your patients regarding, you know, hey, we might try this, we might try that, everything's on the table. Do they ask you about certain procedures or do you just kind of lay it out for them when you're talking about a potential plan? You know, I just try to provide as much information as I can. Um, And it's interesting to your point, as we were speaking over the break, it can be challenging because we don't necessarily have all of the data or all of the information on, you know, what the optimal treatment is. And so we're moving from a field that's completely based on open surgical management, which is what we were doing, you know, 30 years ago, um, into a field where, you know, there's a new device, new stent, um, new technology on the market, you know, every month, every couple months. Um, and so, you know, should we be an early adopter? Should we be a late adopter? I think we learned early on from kind of the historical aspect, you know, the, the initial sentiment was like catheter-based surgery is not as good. So meaning a stent is not as good as, a, as an open surgery. And we're still having this debate today, interestingly, right? So we're, 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 seeing the results of, of several major trials that have come out is uh, a stent in the SFA or a leg stent and just a bypass surgery. So it's like we actually still don't have the answers to some of those things where we have data saying, you know, maybe actually we're going backwards and an open bypass is better. So what I like to do in this kind of I, I'm, I'm caught in the same milieu of, um, you know, what do I do as the patient? And so I think the way to do that is to really make sure that we're tailoring our procedures to the patient. So we're really taking every single factor that the patient brings to the office and kind of incorporating that into how we craft a management plan and that we're both on the same page. Um, So I think there's just a lot of transparency in that. Sometimes that results in a longer visit. And I think sometimes that results in a little more frustration because Maybe sometimes as a patient, you just want to say, well, what's best? Let's do the best thing. Right. Um, A lot of my patients, just tell me what is best. And I always have to say, well, that depends on who you are. We just had a patient that was over in Ohio that she was an easy candidate for a minimally invasive procedure. Her blockage was not 100%. But she really liked her vascular surgeon, the, the one that she originally was offered the fempop bypass and decided, you know what, for me, I just don't want to worry about it for the next five years. We'll take it as it comes five years down the road. If it blocks, then I'm sure technology will evolve. And that was her choice. And I said, it is completely up to you. I mean, there are minimally invasive options available. We do err on the side of trying that first without uh, ruining a potential landing zone or a place where a, a graft can actually attach and reroute blood flow around a blockage, but why not at least try it? But for her, the bypass was right. So you have to give them the options and let them make that decision. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and to your point, 
both your points because they're excellent. It, you have to tailor your, the procedure or the plan for that patient. And at the end of the day, what I always get, what gets me is when the patient says, if it was your mom or your dad or your brother, what would you yeah. do? And that, that's kind of the philosophy that I've always used. Because a lot of times, frankly, after the angiogram, I tell the patient, listen, I'm not going to do anything right now. We're going to use a conservative approach and we're going to use some medications and a walking program. And if that works, great. If it doesn't, then we'll come up with plan B. And most folks, I think, gravitate towards that type of um, conversation. And like I've always said too, Kim, is I, I'm the co- I'm the coach here. The patient is the quarterback or, or the player. They get a playbook from me and some plays, and then I ask them to execute. And so they get to choose. It works most of the time. But I think, Jennifer, to your point, your patients can get a little bit frustrated because at the end of the day, it's not, all right, just fix me. And it's not just that easy. No, I totally agree with that. We're going to actually hear why she agrees with that and more of how she thinks the conversation should really go during a consult with a PAD patient. So stay with us right here on The Heart of Innovation. Do you ever wonder why people with peripheral arterial disease have blockages in some portions of the legs and other people have blockages elsewhere? I'm John Phillips co-host of the heart of innovation with this week's medical notepad sponsored by cardiovascular systems incorporated and the weight of my heart peripheral arterial disease is a progressive process of atherosclerosis that involves buildup of plaque in the arteries, particularly in the legs. Common symptoms include pain when walking, that goes away with rest, and some patients have such severe disease that they develop ulcers that don't heal and that can ultimately lead to amputation. The location of the blockage can sometimes depend on the disease process that has started it. For example, patients with chronic kidney disease and severe diabetes often have more blockages below the knee in the smaller vessels, whereas patients who have diabetes and other risk factors, including high cholesterol and smoking, can have blockages in the thigh. It's estimated that 30 to 40% of patients have multi-segmental disease, meaning blockages both above the knee and below the knee. Depending on where the blockage is located dictates the type of treatment options that are available. Not all peripheral arterial disease and not all blockage needs to be treated with a procedure. However, we use different techniques and different tools depending on where the location of the blockage is. If you have been diagnosed with peripheral arterial disease or have risk factors for peripheral arterial disease, including diabetes, smoking history, history of coronary artery disease, or high cholesterol, you need to talk to your healthcare provider. 
This is John Phillips with this week's Medical Notepad. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Well, Dr. John Phillips and I are talking today with Dr. Jennifer Avis. She is a vascular surgeon with Bass Vascular in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. Before the break, we heard her say that she actually agrees with Dr. John Phillips in his statements. It's like I'll let you Haley's go- comment. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Kim. Sorry. No, I love that. It's true. We got to hear what, what Dr. Avis has to say and what she agrees with. Oh, I just thought it was a great analogy, right? Um, we always, I will say our, our mantra is to treat every patient like they're your family. So when you're called at two in the morning and you don't want to get up, think, what, it, what would my mom need? What would I do for my mom? And it's really helpful motivation to get out of bed and take care of the patients and do everything. Um, but I loved the new one that I hadn't heard before was that, that the patient is the quarterback and you're just providing a playbook. And I really like that. Um, I think that's so spot on and maybe dovetails into some of our call in comments. Um, but really providing somebody. I've to me because then I like to kind of use the patient as a sounding board and say, well, you know, what do you think? How does this fit into your life? What are, what are you thinking? If there's a clear cut treatment, we go for that. I say, you know, this is what I think is clear cut. This is really what I recommend. But some of these others are in the middle where we can do a variety of different things. And I say, you know, these are the pros and cons to the various things and we can kind of pick something together. But I love I, Dr. Phillips. I love that idea of the quarterback. I like it. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to to provide. You know, for me, it's just a way to try to explain something to the patient because we mm-hmm. we have all this shared decision making now. And in fact, I was on rounds the other day, and now we're allowing some family members to be on rounds during uh, when we're when the docs are rounding in the ICU, which I thought was a little bit odd. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, we're we're trying to engage the patients and their families with respect to, hey, this is what's going on. These are our thoughts. Help guide us a little bit. Um, and along those lines, I think, Kim, didn't Douglas have a question that he was asking? Yes, we have Douglas calling in, and I think uh, Jennifer uh, alluded to that. Douglas, what's your question? It, it, it goes along with the, the whole story is today. Uh, how hard is it for y'all to manage everything that goes on every day? And on top of that, how how aggravating can it be when we've heard stories of, as a patient, I talk to my doctor, I go out in the parking lot and I'm smoking a cigarette on the way home. So as doctors, how what are some of the things that as patients we can do to, to, to help y'all better improve everything, if that makes sense? And how aggravating can it be when you know we're supposed to be walking, we don't walk. We're supposed to eat better, but I order French fries on a Zoom call, 
and <laughs> that was the How best. They weren't for you. They the weren't best. for you. How hard, right? I mean, right. As, as doctors, how hard, how aggravating can that be for y'all? Also, yeah, that's that's a great question. So, I would tell you, I don't worry about the aggravation much at all. Um, I would be the biggest hypocrite if I told you I wasn't doing a leg bypass at two in the morning and then eating a slice of pizza or a bunch of French fries. We're all you know, human beings in the endeavor, right? I, I think we all, you know, we know that we recognize that about, about ourselves. Um, so I think the thing really is to just make sure, I, I think the most frustrating thing for me is when somebody just doesn't care. So they'll say, oh, I'm just not invested. So anybody who comes to me and says, I'm interested in what's going on, I'd like some tools to do better, um, I'd like to make improvements in my life. You can smoke two, two packs of cigarettes a day. And if you're telling me, you know, it's a bummer and I'm, I'm frustrated with myself about that. Like, okay, that's a starting point, right? I, you know, I, I'm not here to, to say that stuff is easy. That stuff is so hard. Um, and that's, that's a little bit about what I was excited to come on the show today for with Kim is, I really like the idea of a network to help people because it's like, how much can you and I really do in the office visit? If you say, I want to do better with my diet, I want to do better with my smoking, I want to do better with my exercise, we can say, this is your checklist. But now how to empower you to go out and do those things? How do we how do we bridge that gap? And and that's something that our 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 system, I would say most of my frustrations in medicine really relate to the system, right? Like I wish I would love to push the easy button and say, Hey, we've plugged you into a good system. Let's go. And I think this is where Kim and Dr. Phillips really have come up with something, you know, hit on something good here, you know, to kind of link people in, get a system going. Cause you know, the meeting with your physician is really just the start, the start of the hard work. And it's also yeah, I would agree. what, yeah, what is the conversation, though, that um, every vascular surgeon or vascular specialist, whether they're IR, interventional radiology, or even interventional cardiologist, what is that conversation that they should be having or what approach should they be taking with patients? Because uh, so many of them end up with a 15-minute consult where they'll actually leave for 10 minutes of the consult because they get an emergency call or have to deal with something else, and they come back and they rush through a consult and offer the patient that is there in clinic only five minutes and they can't get all their questions in and they leave disappointed. How can we fix that problem? Because I see that happening more often than not. Well, if I may interject. So for example, in my clinic, we get 20 minutes to see a follow-up visit and usually 20 minutes to see a new patient. And you can't do much in that time because you have to spend a certain amount of that actually charting. And so yeah, the, first con- the, the first consult is, is just a- answering a few questions. And then oftentimes we're calling them on the phone and my nurse is talking to them. And so it's a, this is just a sc- scratching the surface when you, when you talk to that patient for the first time. And they do feel overwhelmed and it's, it's, um, it's very troubling. I don't know how you fix it because we're, it's a, a volume kind of based uh, productivity system that we live in. Yeah, and coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to hear 
Jennifer's thoughts as well. So stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome Welcome back back to the show. Yep. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome's all around. Kim, take us back. (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump right to Dr. Avis um, because we cut her off right before the break. Go ahead, doctor. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to chime in. I think one of the major frustrations is definitely the limit on time we can spend with our patients and how kind of our time is valued. And that's probably a story for another day. But um, I think this is where one of the really exciting things about Kim, your organization can shine a little bit is we can start the conversation in the office and then provide some resources. I'm a huge, I, I send all my patients out with a list. It's a little typed out list of resources in the area. And it's specifically with this goal of trying to get people connected um, to start ticking off some of these goals on their own and learning on their own a little bit more before they come back for their next visit with me. I love that idea that you actually give them a checklist. What what percentage of patients do you think actually follow through with that? Oh, that's a good question. Well, um, that's interesting. And I think that's also regional (laughs) and specific. Uh, I did all of my training in Atlanta and Emory. And I'll tell you, my patients were very different group than who I've managed um, in Palo Alto, California and Pleasanton, California. And I remember when I was uh, first starting out as an attending, I was counseling a patient on diet and exercise. And the patient said, well, well, what do you recommend for a heart healthy diet? And I completely was at a loss. I, I thought I, I've never had this response, actually, where somebody um, wanted to engage with the, that recommendation. Um, so I, I found some local nutritionists and and so now we link people in with the nutritionist, somebody smarter than I am to, to advise on how to execute a good diet. Right. Um, but you know, it depends a little bit on people's engagement and how much they want to take ownership of what's going on and, and what they're able to do within their resource confines, which is really important. You know, I mean, most people are trying to do the the best they can, but maybe resource limited. So same thing as the operative stuff, you have to kind of tailor it to to each person and, and what each person is looking for, I think. Well, I love that you ended up finding a nutritionist for them. That's one of the things we created at The Way to My Heart, some brochures that actively engage the patient. They help the doctor to be able to check mark on there. You have the checklist you give them. We created the checklist actually um, in a brochure that you can, hey, what are your symptoms? Where do you fall? Are you an intermittent claudicant, meaning someone who is early on in their, their disease and can do so much with medicine and lifestyle modifications to improve their prognosis? To, or are you a critical limb ischemia patient, meaning you progress to an advanced stage of peripheral artery disease and likely have some severe blockages that are causing pain that wakes you actually up at night. And, you know, we have actually on this 
for the doctor to write in what is this person's walking goal? What is this person's um, diet goal? And is there a nutritionist in the area that you can make a referral to? So many doctors say to eat healthy, but they never actually take the time to write the referral, which was required by most insurance to see a dietitian or a nutritionist. So I love that you do that. And I've, I'll yeah, be honest, I've never written a referral a or a nutritionist. Well, now I think you're going to. Now, now I'm going to. You got me. I, I love it. Any final thoughts, Jennifer? We, we're about a minute till we, we are done with this particular broadcast. We're going to have to have you come back. There's so much to talk about with you. Um, love your passion. Love your energy. But share a few closing thoughts as we head out of the show today. No, I think that was a perfect ending coming to the idea that PAD is really a team sport. It's not just your patient. It's not just your surgeon. It's the other five people, 10 people that are collaborating to get us to the finish line. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love that. I think that's a really important message to get out to, to folks is it's, it's going to be a team collaborative effort to get you the best care. Actually, you know, one of my greatest mentors, her name was Amy Mel. She was an executive producer for a a show that I um, anchored. And she said, it's easier to work with someone than against them. And it's I've just brought that with me in every single role I have played. And it's so powerful and so true. Yeah. And Dr. next Phillips? time you join us, Jennifer, make sure you have make sure you have a quote ready for us, Jennifer, next time, because you never know when we're going to pop that question. on you. <laughs> we love inspiration. Those moments of inspiration. We do. We do. Have a great day, everybody. I love Thanks it, guys. So Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us right here on The Heart of Innovation. We will see you next weekend. If you want more information on peripheral arteries and disease, make sure you go to thewaytomyheart.org. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.